Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 10th, 2013. Newcomers, help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and go into the archive section. You'll find lots of uh, audios for free download there. And I go through the system we're born into, the system that trains us never to figure outside the box, so to speak, and how uh, subsequent conditioning through media, television, movies, even all the fiction that you, you watch, it really is conditioning you again into staying uh, inside the box, not getting outside of it, to see how the world really is run and who runs the world and where it's all going and how it all happened. In fact, the history hasn't really been uh, completely written yet. On uh, Although we have lots of data on who set it up, this, this particular system we're living in today. And it is run by private foundations that really together form a parallel government across the world. And they're, they're completely interlocked with each other. And they have the ears of all the politicians across the world because the Royal Institute of International Affairs set up this organization to start with, the first one, the big one, to take over the world and put it into a global society which they themselves at the top would run for their own benefit, naturally. But they also use science and government agencies to control all the public from birth right through their whole lives till death. And that's all happening today. So, as I say, help yourself to that. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me keep, uh, keep taking along by getting the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And I go through the history of at least chronology, which is an awfully good art to learn and understand, because it's, it's used against us all the time, the art of persuasion and chronology, and, uh, and it works awfully, awfully well, especially when you train the public to be naive and to believe everything that they're taught, especially in school. And that's your primary training for it. And from the U.S. to Canada, remember, you can still buy the books and discs using personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. Or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Straight donations are seriously welcome as we go through inflation, which is simply devaluation of your currency or your purchasing power. And this is happening again globally as we go into the global society. We're actually in the global society uh, to get it completely up and running properly and to train the public that is now here properly. They have to crash everything step by step in a controlled takedown until they come out with the solution, which, of course, is world government, quite naturally. And that's what we're going through today as we watch all the, the bank crashes and everything else happening and the ones that are looming on the future. So we're living through a plan, and it's hard for most folk to believe that. They've been taught that there's an accidental view of history, not a conspiratorial view of history, even though the big foundations themselves and even your own governments are off to the G7, G20s, and all the other G whatever across the planet, deciding uh, together what the future of the whole planet is to be, uh, signing trade deals and interlocking deals with law and everything else for integration with each other. And uh, it's all to do with what? Globalism, of course. Globalism. And financial uh, transactions, too, and merging of, of, of uh, countries' finances, etc. That's already happening, too. Look at Europe. 
Look at Europe now that's completely merged with its own central bank, private central bank. And, of course, America has to go the same way, too. Um, America's too has to get to kind of half flattened, like Europe's getting flattened, to make it all happen. The final phase of it, all the other legalities have been worked out and signed into law by politicians over the last 20-odd years through the NAFTA deals and before the free trade agreement. So we're living through a plan. And as I say, you can't believe that that's just accidental when you can read all the history of the plan because they do publish it all the time and updates on it too. So people do plan the future, and they plan what kind of future they're going to bring in. And we have to live, we have to all live in a future planned by other people. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the global system that we must all go into, you see, one way or another. Whatever it takes then justifies the means and many of the, the ends have already been used. This is quite a few to go yet, mind you. Uh, or the means, I should say. And also to do with money. Money has always confused most folks who are trained. It's amazing you can go through school and unless you go into economics, you really won't be told much about money at all. Uh, I think they even teach high school children now how to get credit cards, things like that, and how to use them, but they don't tell them what money even is, or why it is the way it is, or who controls it for that matter, or why it goes up and down, and and so on and so on. And the whole system really is a con game, and it's run that way on purpose by those who are in charge of money, traditionally have been in charge of money for a long, long time. It's a con game. And there's awfully good books out there, lots of them, in fact, about the history of money in Europe and so on, to do with the, the goldsmiths who would hold money for on behalf of kings. They, they would actually have uh, strong vaults and so on. And eventually they found out they could put out promissory notes, and that became your, your currency. The notes became a substitute for the actual uh, wealth itself, the gold or the silver or whatever. And they eventually could put out more and more of the paper money than did actually hold inside the, the reserves. And it's still much the same system today, although that mo- most countries don't have anything at all in reserve or in complete paper currencies based on faith. Faith. And we're told this is all quite normal, uh, that all our lives revolve around a system uh, where you'll never meet the top players that really manipulate the currency on a daily basis across the whole planet. You'll never meet some, and we're told this is all quite normal. Just have faith in it. It's quite something, isn't it? What a trick. What a trick that is. You know, I've mentioned many, many times that wild animals uh, have all their instincts for preservation, natural instincts. And I get different animals coming across the, the, the land here. And there's wolves, there's foxes, and, and so on. And I like to watch the fox sometimes because he'll go the same track pretty well every night. And if there's anything different on his route, anything at all, if a tree falls down, he doesn't just run up the tree and jump over it. He, he's going to ground that thing a few times and look at it from every possible angle to see if it could even be some kind of trap or something wrong, something else involved in it before he makes a move. And that's self-preservation. That's why they're still around after all this time of being hunted. But uh, man, of course, we're so easily trained, trained because we have natural instincts as well. And part of it to do is to do with tribalism. We still have the same, uh, basically, instincts in us of the tribe, and we're taught to, to believe the ones above you, the one, the chief, basically, the one that's at the top honcho is a chief. 
And today, of course, the chiefs are dressed up in very expensive business suits and, and so on. And we're taught to believe in these guys as somehow being awfully special and a bit superior in a sense and more honest than anybody else. That's all it takes to fool the planet. And yet the bankers have plundered the planet many times in the past. They plan to do it again. Uh, they never lose. They never lose. And, uh, and they're, they're guaranteed bailouts, even the last lot, too, from the taxpayer. Now, in such a system, you're really a slave, naturally. Unless you're one of the guys who own the banks, but, but the fact is the rest of the public are slaves, so the slaves keep bailing out the banks. They live in a lifestyle that the slaves can't imagine at the bottom. And, and the whole idea is to keep them living that lifestyle at the top by, by simply throwing your cash at them. And remember, money today is just a substitute for your labor. That's all it is. So that, that, that's what slavery was based on, your labor. The word tax comes from it too. You tax yourself when you push yourself to work. So anyway, we're, we're, we're living a con game, a very good one too. And uh, I think it was even Rothschild himself who said a long time ago that very few folk would figure out the scam of money. And he says those who would would be involved in, 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 uh, in manipulating money themselves, like accountants and chartered accountants and so on. He says they might catch on, but he says they, they'll lose too much to give the game away so they keep quiet about it because it, it profits them very well too. And that's the way that life seems to work. It's all based on faith. Even though we keep getting slapped every so often, and even though we keep voting the same governments and system back in over and over and over, that keeps uh, bailing up banks and so on, after the banks have plundered us at least twice a century, that's generally the record they go, sometimes a lot of many ones in between. And, uh, and we think this is quite normal. Quite something, isn't it? And then, of course, you're taught to do the old-fashioned way, just save up money, just save it up and, and be good. Be good, don't be thrifty. Be thrifty, you see, and you too can get up there. And meanwhile, every day your, your currency that you're saving is getting devalued and devalued and devalued. So the dollar that you put in uh, 20 years ago, they could buy uh, coffee and maybe um, a, a, a sub, you know, a submarine to, to eat, basically, uh, and maybe something else for a buck. Uh, you can't even get a coffee for it now. You see? So what's the point in saving it when it's worth less in 20 years' time? A fraction of what it was. And we're taught this is normal too. And no one ever asks, why is it normal? Why, why is it the, the, current, the currency is always being devalued? Because it always is, always is. And it's built into the very system itself. And everybody else too is taught to work, again, the carrot and stick thing. And you get, you get a pay raise every year. That's how it was in America, especially. And they expect that. And of course you get the pay raise. But they don't, they don't really get ahead in any way because at the same time every year, uh, their, their taxes go up and so does, uh, uh, the costs of all the items automatically go up at the same time. It's a, an illusion basically. But, but it's so simple. And it works awfully, awfully well with millions of people. Millions of people. And I mentioned before too that you see if you're a natural creature like, a, like, like, like the fox for instance, a fox doesn't think in a linear fashion. He thinks in a whole bunch of ways and that's really been bred into himself by God knows how long he's been around, maybe millions of years, whatever. But the fact is, it's a genetic memory, many genetic memories of things that can go wrong. Just a slight suspicion, a hunch, whatever it is that keeps him alive. 
And yet, as I see, we're trained to believe, and this is all quite natural, the system we're living in today. And it's like, it's like living under the sword of Damocles, waiting for it to fall. Your whole life. Because it'll fall many times. And strangely enough, all the experts in the world, the, the best brains on the planet that get paid multi-millions a year, some of these guys, are always astonished when it happens. They never saw it coming, they say. And so we put them all back in again and keep the same system going forever and ever. It's rigged, folks. It's meant to be this way. It's meant to be this way. So there's no point in getting all upset about it. This guy should have seen it coming. This guy should have warned us. This guy should have whatever. There's no point. It's a rigged system. And all the guys at the top know it's rigged. We're run by super gangs. Super gangs. But mind you, the world has always been run by super gangs. Always, really. You know, in the old days, too, it was the ancient times the folk would have a chieftain. And the chief would often have no, no more possessions, physical possessions, uh, than the people who, who he was in charge of. And if he was voted out, he was out. If he got ideas and says, well, you know, I'm going to make some lineage in my family, uh, then the people were still numerous enough to, to oust him and his family. Once you get uh, so-called democracy and governments on the go, you've got whole regular armies to take care of. You can't, you can't. It's impossible. It's impossible to do it. So the biggest gang runs the whole system. And all the troops that they have, the troopers, the armies, and so on, uh, will do exactly what they're told and kill whoever they're told when it's time to do so. You look at the history of just Britain alone, never mind France or, or any other European countries. Something that the founding fathers of America had certainly studied because they knew the history of standing armies that always turned on their own people. That's what the big debates were about. Always used on their own people at some time or another. And they do what they're told, without question. Obedience to authority. It works very, very well. Now, as I say, um, getting back to the fox and so on, being not a straight thinker from this step to that step to that step, they go in multi-directions. And there are people like that too who are trained, trained in their families, very rich families, who also think in, in a different way, to like a zigzag in a sense. And they look at everything, every topic from diff- many different angles. And they can see through the cons immediately, very, very streetwise. You'll meet people at the bottom level too, the general, the crooks that you'll meet often, who are in a, a, a trouble. But even, even the low ones, could offer, they're so incredibly streetwise when it comes to figuring things out. It's astonishing. It's only astonishing because, you see, we've all been trained to be naive. And, and that's what astonishes us. It's how they figured it out. So simply, and I'll just reel it off what's really happening with this scam and that scam or whatever the government's up to. And it never occurred to you. And it's because you've been trained. It's like getting a vaccination. They say the vaccination has taken. I mean, it's worked. Or it hasn't, you see. Well, for some quirk of fate or, or birth or whatever, uh, with these particular crooks, um, it, their conditioning didn't take on them. And, and they're completely streetwise. And we are taught to be naive. I mean, can you believe, believe, after so many bank crashes, and so, look at how many bank crashes they had in the U.S. in the late 1800s alone. Just with, with Goulds and Morgan and so on, that the three of them got together and crashed the economy three times in the late 1800s. Never mind the early uh, 1900s either. And you keep getting the same system back in and back in and back in. That's a big, big brotherhood at the top, you see. Now, like, talking about people who are not straight thinkers, you see, 
uh, and the crooks. I mean, there's an article to date that's an example about it. And it says cyber criminals drained ATM machines of $45 million in a world bank heist. And it says uh, a gang of cyber criminals stole the $45 million, which is £29 million, pounds, or $45 million, by hacking into a database of prepaid debit cards and draining cash machines around the world. Around the world, right? Seven people have been charged in New York. It's New York, you see, over the heist, which allegedly stretched across 26 countries. But, but the U.S. was the biggest culprit. So an eighth suspect is thought to have been murdered in April. The network used fake cars to target banks in the United Arab Emirates and Oman. Very rich countries. It's astonishing. Back with more on how to think in a more crooked fashion after this break. Hi, folks, we're back cutting through the matrix, talking about it's really straight and crooked thinking. And, and by crooked, it doesn't mean necessarily crooked. It simply means that you're not going from A to B in a straight line because there's many ways to arrive at the destination in one piece, especially. And talking about the difference between those who handle money, manage money, and do the con of money, and, and those who don't, the ones at the bottom who end up bailing all the banks out every time they claim that they're broke. And... Um, and this article here is to do, as I say, with uh, ATM fraud, massive fraud too, uh, $45 million uh, and across the whole planet. And they did it in separate occasions, a few different times, uh, sometimes with thousands of withdrawals across the planet in, in a very short space of time. And I'll put this up tonight, this article, but it says that they, they targeted the rich Arab countries, the United Arab Emirates and Oman. And it said that in the space of 10 hours, uh, the cashier sells withdrew 40 million and 36,000 transactions from ATMs in 24 countries. There's coordination for you. According to the indictment of the New York defendants, they quickly moved to launder their cash, opening a Miami bank account and pouring money into cars, including a Porsche and a Mercedes and and Rolex watches and so on. And... um, so these guys, some of them have been caught. Some of them, of course, we don't know if they're the top guys, probably not, but uh, they've been caught anyway. And again, being low-level type crew, and these guys who get caught are low-level because these are the guys who do buy the fancy stuff that's immediately seen. You know, says, where does this guy get this kind of cash from? Uh, you know, they, they don't have the brains to to hide the cash and just behave as normal or moved to another country or something. But uh, but if it came to anything that you asked them about money, they could tell, they could give you lectures way better than any economist will ever give you on the scams of, of money. And the EU-Canada trade agreement, again, too, with all these... See, once you get into trading blocks, and this was the whole idea of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, they create these massive free trade zones with trading blocks, then they'd amalgamate countries, then they'd amalgamate the banking system, and then they'd have their own private central bank running the whole block. Karl Marx mentioned it too. And, of course, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, it's a private organization that runs pretty well on the media across the planet and the Council on Foreign Relations. They, um, they've been doing, they've been set up the Bank for International Settlements, the IMF, the World Bank, all private, by the way. And their whole idea is to run the whole planet and its finances as well. And all of its resources too, by the way. 
So again, we still vote in an old-fashioned way that means nothing anymore. You, you don't have representation. A lot of folk don't even know who's supposed to represent them anyway. And for a person that you vote in, he's supposed to represent your 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 little area. And of course he doesn't. He has to go with the party and any line that they go with. So what's the point in having them in the first place? The whole point of it is kind of over and defunct. But um, as I say, now they're going into these trade deals, the, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership deal that, we, that the general population had nothing to do with, but it benefits the big, big bankers at the top. And then you've got the, this transatlantic one with the EU, Canada, and the EU and the US trading bloc. And remember, too, for every uh, tariff that they stop uh, bringing into the country, in other words, every tax import duty that they cancel out, because before they always collected it, and then they have to start collecting the same amount of money to make up the shortfall from the general public. At one time, countries lived mainly off import duties. Many of the U.S. states lived on, on, on import duties, too, from state to state at one time. And, and then, then you didn't have to tax the public. Now, the government always runs at the way beyond the maximum level even of what they need coming in uh, to keep themselves going. But they have always extra uh, curricular agendas on the go to spend all the cash. So they're always short of cash. So when you don't get the, the money coming in from imports because you've got free trade deals, mainly with third world countries now. Although the same three third world countries for 20 years under these agreements don't have to, they, they still charge uh, taxes on your exports to them into their countries, but you don't charge up for them. It's all done under the World Trade Organization. Again, some organization that you have no say in setting up or running, and you still think you're in a democracy. Anyway, it says the EU-Canada trade agreement threatens European uh, fracking bans. It says, as European member states consider the implications of environmentally risky shale gas development, the proposed EU-Canada trade agreement could give energy companies new powers to challenge fracking bans through the back door, claims a campaigner. And I'll put this article up tonight. But the whole point of it is to understand that this article is just one little thing to do with many, many things that crop up once you make these trade deals and so on, because your, all your laws start to have to harmonize together. That's really how they got Europe harmonized into this big new Soviet system, with Brussels being the, the Moscow, the new Moscow of Europe. And so, so everything they do makes causes problems, and new panel, it's a great work for, mind you, for lawyers. They're always churning out armies of lawyers. That's how you take the world over, not by armies, it's by lawyers uh, and bankers. But uh, as I say, uh, you have to start harmonizing all your laws to make everything work. Everything must change until eventually, once you've changed all your laws, your whole culture, your whole system, the old system is completely gone. And that's the whole point of it too. And that's called progress. So anyway, I'll put that up tonight too for those who want to, to have a, a little look at it. But it says, Fannie Mae, of course, the ones that helped start the big run the last time on the banks, is to pay $59.4 billion back to U.S. taxpayers and forestall a debt battle. And that, now that'll be the day as far as I can see here. But it says that the government-backed mortgage giant Fannie Mae is to pay $59.4 billion back to U.S. taxpayers in a move that's likely to forestall a looming battle over the federal debt limit. And uh, they only got more loans, I think, about two months ago from us to them. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about the, the banks and so on uh, and the corner money and all the rest of it and all these all these incredibly well paid top bankers and everything else and economists never see anything coming when we end up with crashes and so on. Of course they're all in on it and, and yeah they do and when you check up and afterwards you find that they've all moved their own personal money somewhere else, etc, etc, etc. And again we're taught this is all quite normal and above board. But anyway, uh, it says about uh, Fannie Mae here, it says here, in 2008, the government poured about $170 billion into Fannie Mae and its smaller sibling, Freddie Mac, to save them uh, after the financial crisis. Uh, Fannie Mae received about $116 billion in loans, with its latest dividend it will have repaid about $95 billion. The payment looks to set to boost the Treasury's coffers as it sees off a summer of fighting over the debt limit, because debt limit is coming up by the 18th of May, I think, in the U.S., and it says the government has reached its current debt limit of $16.4 trillion. Trillion dollars, eh? It's unimaginable. But after a budget battle at the end of last year, Congress moved to allow the Treasury to borrow enough money to meet its obligations. That authority expires May 18th. Paul Dale, senior U.S. economist at Capital Economics, said the payment was likely to give the Treasury more room for maneuver and that it would add to a series of budget measures aimed at pushing off the debt ceiling limit. Because even if nothing's done by 18th of May, the Treasury has three months or so before it starts pushing up against the limit, he said. Remember, all the, all the debt and so on is in compound interest. I mean, you, you can never pay your way out of it. It's, it's not meant to be paid out, actually. Paid out of it. It's all supposed to be adding and adding and adding because the big bankers live off uh, interest. And the more, the merrier. And the G7 again too, everything's great, the G's, you know, the G this and G that and G whiz. But the fact is we don't vote for any of these organizations as your prime ministers and presidents always start making their own private little clubs on behalf of the masters that run them like the Council on Foreign Relations, who tell them to do it. And here they are, globetrotting and meeting together. And again, they're not planning things just for their country, they're planning things on a global scale. And uh, this article here, I'll put tonight too, goes right through uh, the, the different characters who are attending it from the U.S., uh, the Bank of Canada, uh, the U.S. Secretary, uh, uh, Treasury Secretary, uh, Jim Flaherty, etc., 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 at the start of the G7 Finance Ministers and Central Bank Governors meeting in Aylesbury, England. So they all get together and... Um, we are the last to know whatever comes out of it, except they generally sign agreements to integrate something together. It's always integration of some form or another that leads to complete globalism and all that kind of stuff. And we know, too, that Europe's trying to get the U.S. Into, involved more and more into helping bail out the banks in Europe. That's a big one. The U.S. already is doing that to an extent, and they keep it as quiet as they can. But uh, I'll put this up tonight for those who want to know. But mind you, this world we live in, as I say, we're taught to be very naive. When your conditioning is worked, you're awfully naive. Because uh, you are taught that people come out with special wombs above you. That's why they can afford these special suits and things. And live so well at the top. And I've mentioned before, it doesn't matter what system it is. It doesn't matter what it's called. It's always the same. The ones, even in communism, you know, the land of equality, the, the new Soviet paradise and all that, the workers' paradise, the ones at the top, all, all these multi-billionaires that have flooded out of Russia in a communist regime, it was astonishing. They had a slave population for all that period. 
massive slave population. But a lot of the population wouldn't see themselves as slaves at the time. Some did, some didn't, because of their conditioning. And it's often lucrative to be a good communist, you know, at the top. Not the one at the bottom, but a bit at the top. And it says, this is Matsu Tung's granddaughter is accused over China uh, rich list. It says, the granddaughter of Chairman Mao has been named on China's rich list with a fortune of nearly 530 million pounds. Not bad, eh? That's not, not bad. And it goes through a bit of her history and all the rest of it, and her husband, who's awfully rich as well. And she's a successful entrepreneur in Beijing and so on, etc., etc., etc. And she's still pushing the red culture, by the way. It's awfully lucrative if you're at the top of communism. Some are more equal than others in such utopias, said George Orwell. You know, isn't that the truth? And vaccinations is a, uh, I get a, a thing about vaccinations because vaccinations, I know, um, can really affect people afterwards because uh, there's no doubt about it, their immune system is definitely, that's what's supposed to do is alter your immune system in one way or another. And often it does it in a way that, that uh, they'll say it was unintended, but the thing is, people are left with crippling diseases and so on. We've seen the, the narcolepsy happen across some parts of Europe and Scandinavia uh, with the, the last flu jab that they got last year. And there's other disorders coming out too. It says over 50 youngsters have sleep disorder after the jab. Sleep disorder. That's no problem. Big pharma that owns the vaccine companies will also uh, give you pills to help you sleep. But it says um, the number of young people who have been who developed an incurable sleeping disorder after getting the swine flu vaccine has now risen to at least 54. It says, however, despite promises by the Department of Health to provide full package of supports for victims, some families are still facing delays getting a proper diagnosis. They should be suing like crazy. Instead of looking to the government to help them out. She was suing, suing. This is a letter saying, uh, setting out the frustration and concerns of families was handed in to the department by the support group Sound, S-O-U-N-D, founded to help victims who develop the disorder narcolepsy after getting the pandemic vaccine. And it goes through some of the victims and so on and how it's affecting them. And they never give up, you know. It doesn't matter how many victims you get with these things. When you're up against a big system, a big medical mafia, and, and uh, you know, the the vampires of vaccines, you know, the VVs, uh, who, who just live off uh, sickness. You know, the more sickness, the better. They cause a lot of it too, the vaccines. But the thing is, what incredible wealth they rake in. So they're very happy, of course, to always put out a proportion the effects of measles and everything else. Things that you, you all got normally one time and got over. And you had natural immunity because you caught it from each other. But not today. The jab you through the stuff really, it's like putting pieces of kidneys through a blender and, and injecting it into you because it's got the viruses that they use to grow in the kidney. And it's not much more removed than that, except sometimes too, the synthetic forms of viruses that don't occur, don't, they don't occur in nature. And they attack your immune system, and now we've got the highest allergy population that's ever existed on the planet. It helps to destroy your immune system, and you're allergic to everything. It doesn't matter though, it's too lucrative to pack in, you see. And government goes along with it because there's an awful lot of bonuses and kickbacks to certain ones that push it. Big money. 
I also put an article tonight too. It's called a pub, uh, it's a PubMed on uh, compilation on vaccine controversy. It's quite interesting. And also, these unions that we're creating with all these integrations and so on, these trading blocks, look at look the mess Europe is in. And I have to say, I really think it's planned this way. To bring austerity was the plan before they crashed the banks in 2008. How would they get you to that austere place unless they crashed the banks and made currency worth less and less? No one's that good at predicting things like a Nostradamus, you know. It has to be made to happen, to fit the plan. And it says Slovenia now is the last one in, in Europe. It's to sell off, they're selling off parts of their country and state-owned things and so on. Planned an attempt to avoid the bailouts. It says um, it's looking to sell its largest telecommunications operator and second largest bank. The source says as it steps up efforts to shore up its finances and avoid an international bailout. The country is racing to convince investors it has a credible strategy for raising the funds and needs to stay solvent. Now, they're all going bankrupt. And the countries that weren't completely bankrupt before are going bankrupt because they borrowed money from the big bankers to bail out other countries. It's it's amazing. It's just astonishing. It truly is. That we call this sanity. That everybody must end. It's like having one sick person in a street but asking the whole streets to get sick and die. Isn't it? You see what I'm saying? It's madness. And yet they call this logic and good economics. Do you understand how we're incredibly stupid? And we're so incredibly naive. Because all it takes is for the newscaster to say, here's so-and-so topics expert an investment in blah, 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 an economist for the blah, blah, blah. And, and you go into la-la land like, like, like an angel from God had just appeared on the television screen. And you believe everything they tell you because they don't have a giveaway, not even a nervous tick on their faces. And you believe them. Yeah, quite some. So there's another country selling off everything. Greece is already doing it, as we know, selling off islands and everything else. Here's the Aussie dollar, the Australian dollar. It'll come down hard. I mentioned this the other day. And this article, this article here goes on to it further. It says Stanley Druckenmiller, who made one billion dollars for George Soros as his chief strategist by forcing a devaluation of the British pound in 1992, said investors should bet against the Australian dollar. See, they, they actually make things happen. They've got the instant, um, ear of all media so, so they can put out their propaganda and they can help get folk to pull their money out and then they, they crash the dollar and then they profit off it because they bet on it falling and again we say this is a normal same system that, how about this goes on and on for centuries the same con how can somebody George Soros and, and his, his main strategist a strategist who they sit and speak who can we crash today and plunder and they're walking around there. Doors are opened uh, to them and had big fancy hotels and, and politicians bow to them and so on. They're so stinking rich. And all they do, they're just pirates. And it's all legal, apparently. That's why they can keep doing it over and over. And again, we're, we say this is a sane system. 
So it says, we think the Australian dollar will come down, it will come down hard. Drucken Miller said today at the Sun Investment Conference in New York, it's expensive, he says. The Australian and New Zealand dollars have each surged 45% against the US dollar since the end of 2008. The biggest advance amongst over 150 currencies backed by Bloomberg or tracked by Bloomberg, as you say. The Reserve Bank of Australia cut its benchmark interest rates to a record low May, uh, driving down a currency that has damaged manufacturing and boosted unemployment. Uh, and again, this is amazing. When the currency goes down too, people want to invest in the country, because then the labour is cheap. Everything's cheap, you see. Or they'll buy their products, because it's cheap. Everything's upside down. And you can go and study this rubbish and you call it economics. So you can get a good collar and tie job and you can get an expensive suit. And you could help rip off countries as well. And uh, so I'll put this up tonight too to see. Here's private individuals bringing down the dollar again. To another country, another victim. And, and of course, who, who's the head of the, of the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs group for the whole of the EU politicians, this, this big parliament they have? Soros, George Soros. He's the head of this private corporation that runs the politicians for the whole of Europe. And this article too, the rich have gained $5.6 trillion in their recovery, while the rest of us have lost $669 billion. And it says uh, we're getting ripped off, and now we've got the data to prove it. From 2009 to 2011, the richest 8 million families, the top 7%, on average saw their wealth rise from $1.7 million to $2.7 million each. Meanwhile, the rest of us, the bottom 93%, that's 111 million families, suffered on average a decline of $6,000 each. Do the math and discover that the top 7% gained a whopping $5.6 trillion in net worth. Assets minus liabilities, while the rest of us lost $669 billion. Their wealth went up by 20%, while ours went down by 4%. And the whole thing is, it says the bailouts went to Wall Street, not to Main Street. The Federal Government and Federal Reserve poured trillions of dollars into Wall Street through a wide variety of financial manoeuvres, many of which were hidden from view until recently. When we add it all up, it's clear that most of the money floated right into Wall Street. Says Fannie and Freddie were private institutions that also considered themselves part of the Wall Street elites. And it says Wall Street is Washington and Washington is Wall Street. Those who shuttled back and forth between Washington and Wall Street designed the basic policies that both led to the crash and that responded to it. Cause the problem, give a solution. Hank Paulson, Bush's Secretary of State of Treasury, served as chairman of Goldman Sachs. This always Goldman Sachs, like the banker for the planet, eh? before going to Washington. Timothy Geithner, Obama's Secretary of the Treasury, headed to the Regional Federal Reserve Board in New York, a board composed of Wall Street's who's who, before joining the Obama cabinet. Countless government officials and congressional staffers can't wait to leave public service for lucrative jobs on Wall Street, and that's true. The collective mindset is that the world can't function properly unless the richest of the rich get richer. Any and all policies should therefore protect our biggest banks rather than hinder them. And of course, both parties are in hot pursuit of Wall Street campaign cash. Little wonder the so-called recovery transferred wealth from us to them. And the Federal Reserve Bank's on trickle-down, the trickle-down theory, you know. And it says the Federal Reserve's ongoing stimulus policy comes down to this. The goal is to reduce interest rates on bonds of all kinds to, so that money flows into stocks. 
The more money that goes into the stock market, the higher go the stocks. Rising stock prices leads to what economists call the wealth effect. Those who see their stock rise dramatically feel richer and spend more. That's what the claim is. They're supposed to trickle down to the rest of us. The rich spend more, businesses recover, and then maybe hire more people. It's working beautifully for the super rich, but obviously not for the rest of us. Apart from that, it's global now. Because they will be hiring jobs, jobs, jobs. That's what was the spiel in Canada years ago, jobs, jobs, jobs. But what the Prime Minister at that time didn't tell us, it was jobs in China and elsewhere. Because these guys who will call the cash, they have no particular allegiance to any country. It's whether the labor is the cheapest and, and the material they're going to use. And uh, as we're going down the tubes too, and culture's just the dregs today. You know, you can go through music, for instance, too, and it's a fascinating study. It's a never-ending study, of course, with music. It's so old and ancient, so ver- such a variety of it, too, in different countries. But you go through the history of it, and, and you find they kind of hit their zenith with some of the great composers uh, and the pieces that they wrote. And uh, and then, of course, in the 20th century, it became popular music, they called it. That's when, again, people uh, that basically also had a big hand in Hollywood got into the music industry and started to own the industry and create the stars, the music stars, just like you create the actresses and actors who see as a star. It's, it's creation. It's a big machine that creates them. Anybody can be made a star if, if this guy, this gang is going to back you. That'll happen. And you find that, um, again, the culture has plummeted right through the whole 20th century and, and through the 21st into, it's, it's, you can't even call it music anymore. It's not even poetry. Back with more after this. We're back cutting through the matrix, talking about the, the decline in the culture, of course, and that's also part of the big move of globalism as well, because all the old cultures, especially for the first world countries, have to perish. That's part of it. That is part of it. That that's on the agenda. That must go. I've mentioned the Frankfurt School and others that talk about destroying them, and he talked about the music industry using them and movies and so on and taking over culture and just bringing it right down until everything was degraded and destroyed. And it fits in with this article here. There's, there's many articles you could take for examples. But this one says, Union-backed Bill of Rights for Guards Under Fire. After sex and drugs bust at the Baltimore jail, it says. A federal investigation into alleged sex-fueled smuggling scheme between female guards and inmate gang members at the Baltimore City Detention Center has drawn scrutiny to a Union-backed Bill of Rights for prison guards that may have contributed to the culture of corruption. One FBI agent is now claiming the rights helped shield bad apples from discipline. According to the 44-page indictment, members of the Black Gorilla family, it's called, were able to control female guards and indoctrinate them into their plot by having sex with them. I wonder how hard that was. They were able to persuade the women to smuggle in contrabands ranging from pot to prescription narcotics to tobacco to cell phones used to coordinate an elaborate criminal enterprise with outside gang members. Male and female guards smuggled the contraband in exchange for money. Some of the guards got pregnant by by some of the, the, the gang leaders here. But the point is here, you see, the whole cult, everything's gone down the tubes. Everything's gone down the tubes. As planned, as I say, because you don't understand when people want to believe in the accidental view of history where folk and big world meetings and so on, big agencies with lots of funding and, and a lot of pool, 
uh, meet together and they bring out their wish list of where they want to take the world into the future. And when they write that stuff down about bringing down and destroying the cultures, and when you live through it, you've got to say this is more than a coincidence, folks. It's not accidental at all. And I'm right. It's not accidental. This is all the stuff that's, all the fallouts that you see. It's simply the, the, the whole point of destroying societies and cultures and traditions, especially traditions. And uh, as I say, this, this is quite a long, lengthy article. I won't bother reading it, but the fact is, that's only one example of many. And tonight, too, I've mentioned many times that many articles you read in the mainstream media are simply handouts from big big uh, PR agencies and marketing agencies for for whatever products being sold. And, of course, Big Pharma has one of the biggest ones of all because uh, they, they have incredible money. And um, they're riding high with all these uh, vaccines. They're churning out vaccines for everything. But the HPV vaccine has got a lot of um, flack, of course, from people who have been affected by it. And people, have, the children have died, and young women have died of the thing, too, through shock, uh, anaphylactic shock, and things like that, when this stuff is put into their system. And I'll put an article tonight where now they're finding some young women uh, have uh, their ovaries destroyed. It destroys their ovaries. And that's from a medical journal, too, where they're questioning this, and, of course, they want to pursue it with more investigations and all the rest of it which will take years, no doubt, as more and more get affected by it. But then you go into this big uh, handout to the mainstream media by the big pharma companies that make the HPV vaccines under the cancer drug, they call it. Now, I can remember reading an article from the woman who worked in the company that first came out with it, and she was the one that headed the team that made it. And she says there's no guarantee this will actually work at all. And if it did anything any good at all, it would only possibly work with three kinds of the viruses out of hundreds. So now, we're all going to pay for it to be given to the third world countries for a discount. Great business when you get massive lobbyists. Great business. And all the politicians get, they're paid off. That's how they get into office, through contributions from donors, big donors. From Hamish Smith, Seattle, Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me, or God or your gods go with you.